Let's read the word of God together from Exodus 15. Word of God in Exodus 15. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as in heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, 
in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, here is where our text begins, and when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which, when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. They came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. When you read the history of Israel's wilderness wanderings, my dear friends, what impression do you get from that history? What do you think of when you think of Israel's history in the wilderness? Rebellion? Murmuring? Complaining? Perverseness? And punishment? Is that all you think of when you think of their wilderness wanderings and of that history? That's certainly there. But is that all you see and all you think of when you read the history of those 40 years, 
if it is, then you're overlooking an important part of that history. Because the history of Israel's wilderness wanderings, and it's our history too, the history of Israel's wilderness wanderings is not just the history of disobedience and murmuring and punishment for sin, but it's also And that's what we may not fail to see. It's also the history of God's faithfulness and of God's great work of saving his people, his sinful people, saving them after he had first redeemed them and delivered them from the bondage that they endured so long in Egypt, saving them by delivering them not only from that bondage, but from their own sinfulness and disobedience. And it's that that side of Israel's history in the wilderness that comes out so clearly in what happened at Marah. And that's what God is emphasizing too when he gives that name to Moses and to Israel. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Jehovah, your healer. Or if you want the Hebrew, Jehovah Rapha. That's what God is emphasizing here in connection with Israel's disobedience and murmuring, he teaches them and teaches us that through all those years of the wilderness wanderings, he is the great physician who heals his people, having delivered them from their spiritual bondage. And so I call your attention this morning to verses 23 through 26 of Exodus 15 with the theme, Jehovah, our healer. And we're going to talk about Jehovah, our healer, at Marah and what happened there. We're also going to talk about Jehovah, our healer, here in Linden. And then finally, too, about Jehovah, our healer in heaven. Those three things, because this is part 
all this is part of Israel's journey to the land of Canaan and of our journey to heaven. So Jehovah, our healer, this was, as verse 22 reminds us, this was Israel's first stop in the wilderness. All through those 40 years, they would travel for a certain number of days until they found a place to camp. And then they would stay in that camp for a time as well. This was their first encampment. After three days, the first three days in the wilderness. And as the word of God tells us in verse 22, they had found no water during those three days. And when they came to Marah, then they found that the water there was undrinkable, bitter. In fact, they were the ones who named the place Mara, bitter, because of the bitterness of the waters. The Word of God tells us in verse 25 that God was testing them in all of that. Proving them is the word that the King James Version uses. But Israel failed that test and failed it when they murmured against Moses and said, verse 24, what shall we drink? Then you understand, I'm sure, that they were really murmuring against God who had brought them out of Egypt through Moses and who had been leading them through that desolate and dry wilderness the first three days. It's shocking that having seen God's power and faithfulness at the Red Sea, they were so soon murmuring and complaining, but we may not forget when we think of their sin, and it was grievous sin, when we think of their sin, we may not forget that that's our sin also. We'll come to that in a few moments, but we too come tomorrow in our pilgrimage through this world. And more often than not, Mara is the place where we are guilty of Israel's sin, of murmuring and complaining against God's way, against God's dealings with us, and murmuring because we perceive wrongly that the difficulties of our pilgrimage are a lack of faithfulness on God's part. But that was Israel's sin at Marah. God, through Moses, 
performed a miracle for them there at Mara. Told Moses to take a tree which was there and to throw it into the water there at Mara, and the waters became drinkable, sweet, as a result. But it becomes clear as you read on in verse 26 that the real problem at Mara was not that bitter water. When God gives Moses and Israel that name, the Lord that healeth thee, he doesn't say, I'm the Lord who heals the waters, but I'm the Lord who heals thee. And I think you get the point of that. God is saying to Israel, the problem is not really the bitter water, but your hearts, your sinfulness, the sinfulness that was so evident in your murmuring and complaining a little while ago. That's the real problem. And though I've healed the waters for you so that you and your cattle and your children have something to drink, the healing that's really needed is the healing of your hearts and of your souls so that you do not murmur and complain. And so that you, as verse 26 has it, you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight. You see that? I am the Lord that healeth thee. And God, when he tells Israel that, points out the fact that the healing that was needed was really the spiritual healing of their hearts. We call it sanctification, by the way. When God points that out to Israel, then he says too to them, and that is who I will be through all the rest of your wanderings in the wilderness. Through all the trials and difficulties of your 40 years in the wilderness, in the face of enemies, when there's no food, when again there's nothing to drink, when you meet fiery serpents in the wilderness, 
then I am going to be in and through all of those things, Jehovah, your healer. When you murmur and complain and rebel and do the opposite of what I've told you to do, when you make a golden calf and worship it and I punish you for your idolatry, then I will be in all those different places and circumstances Jehovah, your healer. That's what verse 25 means. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. This would be the law, the rule by which God led them through the wilderness and worked all of those long and difficult years with them. He would be Jehovah, their healer. And the end result would be that they would reach the land of Canaan and would find rest in the land of Canaan. So the history of Israel's wilderness wanderings is not just the history of endless difficulties and trials and along with it, endless murmuring and complaining and of one punishment after another for their murmuring and complaining but it's the history of God healing his people. Now you understand, of course, that his people did not include, not ever, all those who came out of Egypt. As Paul says in Romans 9, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. But that true Israel, born by the power of God's promise, chosen of God, redeemed by him, that Israel, he would heal through all the long history of those wilderness wanderings or to use that word that I used a moment ago, he would sanctify them, make them his people in heart and soul and mind and will and strength until finally they were ready to enter the land of Canaan, a statute and an ordinance. And in doing that to Israel, he showed them two 
I don't know how well they understood that. I don't even know if it's possible to answer that question. But he showed them that he did that in Christ. And with a view to the promise of the coming of Christ, because that name, I am the Lord that healeth thee, is really one of the names of our Savior, who as the great physician is the one who heals all our spiritual diseases and all our iniquities until we are ready to enter the land of Canaan. God says to Israel, I am your physician. And that looks ahead to the coming of Christ and to what Christ would do when he came, doing his miracles, of course, but do through those miracles as a sign of something much greater. You have that in connection with the record of Jesus' miracles in Matthew quotes from Psalm 103. Those words that I quoted a moment ago. Words that speak so wonderfully of what God does for us in Christ. As the faithful, gracious God of our salvation. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. That is what God reveals at Mara. But, as those words of verse 25 indicate, that's a statute and an ordinance. And a statute and an ordinance of God never expires. God's laws, God's rules don't expire. Not even after thousands of years. And neither does this statute and ordinance. What God made for them, this statute and ordinance, he made it for us also. And you must remember, of course, in that connection that Israel's history is our history. They were, as Stephen says in Acts 7, 
the church in the wilderness, or if you will, the church in this world. Their sins are our sins. As difficult as it may be to put for us to put ourselves in their place when we think of that sad history of the wilderness wanderings. Their sins are our sins. And Mara then is at least a picture of a place that Every child of God comes to in his spiritual pilgrimage through this world. I'm sure, perhaps you'll understand that as better as I go on, but I'm sure that every one of you has been to Mara spiritually. And if you haven't, you will be. You cannot get to Canaan without going to Mara first. And Mara for us, as we make our way, the Israel of the New Testament, through the wilderness of this world, to our home in the heavenly Canaan, Mara is that place in our lives where we have to deal with trials and temptations. Mara is where you or I are at when a husband or a wife dies. Mara is the place where I find myself. When I face family difficulties and family troubles, I'm at Mara when I'm ill and in pain. I'm at Mara when I'm struggling with life's responsibilities. As truly as Israel was at Mara, You and I are there whenever, to use the words of verse 22, we go three days in the wilderness and find no water. And especially when we find the waters bitter. Because, as you understand, I'm sure those trials and struggles and temptations and troubles and difficulties 
are bitter. Nothing so bitter to the flesh as those things. And it's there too, of course, that like Esrael, we are so sorely tempted to murmur. Why this? Why me? Why, Lord, is my way so difficult, so troubled, so full of tears and struggles? Mara. But the rule the statute and ordinance that God makes for his people at Mara is that truth that God in those trials and by those temptations and through those struggles and difficulties, whatever they are. When I look around, I think of your Maras. The rule is that in and by and through all those things, God is revealing himself as your healer. You see that? He doesn't heal his people in spite of those things. He doesn't heal their hearts, their murmuring hearts, apart from those things but by them and through them. And that's why the history of Israel's wilderness wanderings was what it was and why your way is what it is, why it leads tomorrow and not only leads there but leads there again and again and again. So that it seems as though the history of the church and of God's people in the church is nothing but struggle and trial and difficulty and problems and all of the rest. Because He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals his people and who heals them because he loved them, loved them from eternity and chose them to be his own 
redeem them from the bondage of sin and death and hell. Because he's done that for them, he will be also the healer of his people. The great physician who not only delivers them from their spiritual bondage, but who delivers them also from their own sinfulness, from all their inclinations to murmur and complain and rebel and be disobedient. And who brings them finally and forever to their home in heaven. There, there at Barah, he made for you and for me a statute and an ordinance and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. If you'll listen and obey, then I will not bring upon you the judgments that I brought upon Egypt when I destroyed them and their land. But because sinful by nature, always inclined, Rebel, disobey, complain, murmur against God himself. And therefore, because you will never of yourselves diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and because you will never, by your own works of righteousness or by your own free will, do that which is right in his sight and keep his commandments. And because you will show yourselves a thousand times over, to be worthy of those diseases, those judgments, which God brought on the land of Egypt. Therefore, I will be the physician of your souls. I will sanctify you. I will heal you spiritually until finally you do hearken and obey me as you ought. And I will heal you 
by bringing you tomorrow. Bringing you through trials and temptations. Through all the troubles that you face. Bringing you tomorrow and then to Rephidim and Sinai and Kadesh and Kibroth and all of the other places that are part of our earthly pilgrimage. I'll bring you to all those places because there is nothing in my wisdom and grace which will work as trials do and temptations for your eternal healing. Do you understand that? Whatever your Mara is, and its bitterness, do you know why you are there? And why God brought you there? The answer to those questions is here in Exodus 15, verses 23 through 26. I am the Lord that healeth thee. And you should see that ever so much more clearly in the coming and work of our Savior. First in paying for our sins by his death on the cross. And then in that grand and ongoing work that he does by his spirit in healing us forever of the presence of sin in our lives. Of all our murmuring and disobedience. So Mara, if I may put it that way, Mara is a necessary encampment on the way to Canaan. You, no more than Israel, through the wisdom and good providence of God, can reach that heavenly Canaan without going to Mara. And what, would, what do you do then when you find yourself there? When you find yourself In the circumstances of your life, at that place where the waters to the flesh seem undrinkable, you have to remember where you are 
first of all, and what the name of the place is in Scripture. But you must remember, too, who brought you there. And remember, of course, too, that you are not the first one to be at Mara. Nor will you be the last. Every child of God must go to Mara. And you must remember most of all that you are there because the God of your salvation, the God who redeemed you and brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, of spiritual bondage, is now, by trials and temptations, by the difficulties of your way and all the struggles that you go through. Jehovah, who heals you. And then you will find those bitter waters of Mara drinkable even sweet. And we'll be able to say, it is the Lord who heals me. Let him do with me as he pleases. And then you won't murmur and complain either. Will you? Jehovah Rapha. Don't ever forget who he is. But especially don't forget when your way is the hard way of your father in the wilderness. Three days. And they went and found no water. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters for they were bitter. Never any other way to Canaan but that. God give us grace. Ever to forget. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for what we have heard from thy word this morning and ask, Father, that it may not be soon forgotten, especially by those of us who are at our own Mara or by us as churches, when we, the church in the wilderness, come tomorrow. 
And forgive us, Lord, our murmuring and complaining. In the face of the temptations and trials that are part of our life, give us the assurance that thou art the healer of thy people in all that thou dost bring upon them. Bless us as we go our separate ways for a few hours now. Keep us in thy care and bring us together again in peace and in safety. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.